Hey guys, this is the Will and Cody Show. We appreciate you guys listening. Uh, we got a familiar face. Mr. Kevin Youngblood decided to join us again. Give us a little bit of his wisdom. How are you doing, sir? Doing great. Doing great. I don't know how much wisdom I got, but hey, I'm here. <laughs> it's enough. <laughs> it's enough to share with us. So we appreciate yeah. you uh, it's way more jumping back on. Uh, we enjoyed it last time, just being able to talk with you about your own experiences with you know, personal finance and kind of planning in your own life. Uh, so thanks for being willing uh, to put up with us and, and come back on. But we definitely appreciate it. A lot of fun. I love hanging with you guys. Yeah. yeah it's awesome. Good. Alrighty. So uh, last time that you were on with us, we talked uh, a little bit about personal finance, uh, budgeting, some stuff like that. Can they get a little guy, get ahead, things like that. And uh, but you had mentioned side hustles. And uh, so that kind of sparked our interest. We wanted to have you back on and start talking about that. Um, you know, just talk about side hustles, how they can help people get ahead. Uh, what are the strategies uh, for that? And then maybe um, if that could potentially turn into a business. So uh, first off, I, you know, I did the thing when I first got married in the first 10 years of our marriage or so, where I focused on the expense side. Where's the money going? Where are the holes in the bucket? Mm-hmm. And then I had a genius moment. This is going to make you guys day. This was a genius moment. After about the 53rd time of reworking my budget to figure out where all the money was going, I wrote my my income at the top of the budget list. And it dawned on me. This is genius. In fact, they're going to write books about this. I came to the conclusion. It dawned on me that there were a lot more numbers above what I was making (laughs) than there were below it. Right. Yeah. So it dawned on me, uh, hey, I got to go make more money. And you know what? A lot of people, that's their core problem. Uh, they're good at managing the pennies and that's great. You got to do that. But at some point, you got to go get more income. And so that's where side hustles come into play. A side hustle basically is, do you have a product or a service that you can offer to your neighbor, to your community, to the general public? Hmm to generate a little extra income, a little side income. And then who knows that hustle might grow up to become an actual business. Right. Right. So in your mind, what would be um, the difference in say someone wanting to look at starting a side hustle versus just get a second job to bring in income? Because I think that's another option people may look at as, okay, I've got one job. Maybe they have the same realization as you of like, there's a lot of numbers above that income number. (laughs) So I'm just going to go get a second job, um, you know, whatever they can find to kind of supplement that. So in your mind, what would be kind of a key difference between a side hustle that can turn into a business and something that's just there to, you know, bring in income as like a second job? That makes sense. Yeah, great question. Great question. Uh, Well, first off, when you go work a second job, you're swapping time for money. You're giving them your time for their money, and but you don't have control of either your time or your money. And so what you do is, is they you want to work that second job. They tell you, here are the hours. You need to be here by this hour and leave at this hour. You work this day and not that day. So I'll give you my, when I first got uh, married, my first job was uh, teaching. And mm-hmm. teaching didn't make a lot of money. And so I had to get a security job in addition to that. And I did that for the first four years of our marriage. I worked, I taught during the day, and then I'd go work a security job. Well, the security job, because it wasn't my primary income, I had to work funkadelic hours. Right. And so I worked two midnight to eights, two 
uh, uh, four to twelves, and mm-hmm. one eight to four on Saturday. So I didn't know whether I was sleeping or awake. I didn't know if I was coming or going. You know, it was crazy yeah. because I had to work these crazy hours. But you know what? When you work a second job, the, you do what the job requires. Whereas mm-hmm. if you start a hustle, you've got a little bit more flexibility on it so that if you're offering a product or service, you can work it around the other things in your life. So in our case, church was an important part of our life. Mm-hmm. So working on a Wednesday night or working on a Sunday, that was not an option. So with a hustle, I could work my my schedule and my things around that, and I could tailor it to fit my lifestyle. The other benefit is I'm building equity in something. Mm. If I get a customer, that customer may stay with me for two years, five years, 10 years. So I'm building something that may lead to some ongoing. Whereas when you work a second job, you're swapping your time for your money now. But I did both uh, in the beginning. Uh, and you do whatever you have to do. But if you had a preference, I would say you prefer the hustle over the um, uh, over the second job if you can. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. I mean, that's a, a big concern of a lot of people is is time. I mean, a lot of people are already giving so much of their time in a week to just the main job. And then just to get another job seems almost impossible for some, yeah. especially if you have family and others and stuff like that. So. Uh, developing a side hustle, I mean, that seems like the the best answer for, you know, putting more numbers on top of, of that, that income that you've got. So uh, what are some examples uh, that people just just general everyday people could could look at as a side hustle, in your opinion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me why don't I start with just telling you what my side hustles were? How would that be? And that <clears> might be a good a good yeah. place to start. My first side hustle was cutting grass. Uh, Jack Tomlin hired me to come cut his grass. I was already cutting the church grass because dad was the minister there and I was cutting the home grass. And then Jack Tomlin hired me to come cut his grass. Next thing you know, I was washing cars. People wanted me to wash cars. And of course that did that. But then I got into, uh, about to go to college and I started working sheetrock business. Uh, I had a cousin who was, uh, I had a uh, drywall business. And so I went and worked with him, did internships during the summers, and I learned how to finish sheetrock. And so I got to actually where I could bid my own jobs Mm. and do drywall in the evenings or on weekends. And I I was able to pay a significant amount of money toward my college by doing that. Uh, another thing is I did uh, my my degree in college was in education, but I had a minor in vocal music. So mm-hmm. I got to where I would teach people singing lessons mm-hmm. or voice lessons or speech lessons. And so basically you just look around and say, what are the things I know to do? Mm-hmm. What are the yeah. things? So like right now, um, if I, you know, I don't need a side hustle, uh, you know, and I and I never will from now on, I don't think, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But but if I wanted to produce a side hustle, what would I do to do as a side hustle? Well, I could teach voice lessons. Right now, somebody wants to do it. Second thing is, is I could teach people how to start a business because I've done it. Mm-hmm. I could uh, teach history. If I wanted to do a little side hustle, Mm -hmm. I could mentor or tutor in history Uh, because I was in the Marine Corps. I could teach somebody how to fire a pistol and how to safely handle a a gun or a weapon. 
-hmm. could teach safety courses. Um, I could still cut grass. Uh, I could still wash cars. I could do landscaping. Um, you know, and so all of those things are things that I can do because I've got an experience uh, in doing that. Does that make sense? Yeah, mm -hmm. it does. So it sounds like, I mean, I know there's a lot of possibilities out there. So it could be based off of, you know, any interest you have um, as well as, you know, skills you have. So if you're, you know, you mentioned like if you're teaching, you could always just do kind of your own teaching on the side where either you're tutoring and you have more control over that as far as scheduling, you know, when you schedule tutoring sessions or, you know, things like that. Or if you like, you know, working with your hands or working outdoors, you could do that. Just do it for yourself, um, you know, and kind of bid your own jobs in that sense. Yep. So I think the flexibility of that sounds like it's pretty, you know, pretty key. Um, rather than being tied up with the hours. And then, as you mentioned, if you control it, then if it grows, it's still under your control. So now it's growing um, and you're receiving the benefit of it rather than your employer, you know, receiving mm -hmm. that, you know, that hard work. Um, yeah. How much time do you think someone would need like to set aside for a side hustle? Like I know it could be, you know, any amount of time, but it's like if you wanted to commit to a second job, that's going to be at least, you know, I want to say 10, 20 hours a week, at least that you're going to probably need to devote to that. But do you think somebody could get by, you know, and get a little extra income with less on a side hustle? Or is it like the more time you put in, the more you're going to get out of it? No, that's a great question. I think managing your time is the single hardest thing to do with a side hustle. Hmm. Because obviously you're going to try to do it well. You're going to try to be right. successful at it, which means that other people are going to want you to do it. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, now you're having to do trade-offs mm -hmm. because you really need to be spending time with your family, with nonprofit groups like churches, things that you're committed to do. So you just have to balance that out. And, um, mm -hmm. I, you know, the problem you want to create is turning down new customers. Right. And I know that's hard yeah. to believe, but that's the problem you want to create to where you just can pick and choose. No, yeah. I don't have time to help that person or to do that job. I don't, yeah. that's, you know, it. It also gives you, you learn to fire your bad customers. <laughs> if you got somebody that's taking up 80% of your time, but only bringing 20% of your revenue, fire them. Go get another one. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. you so you actually are in the catbird seat if you want to um, with, uh, you know, picking uh, your customers and fitting it around your lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Thanks. Um, so one quick question as well. Um, I know a lot of people, it's like, OK, well, I'm, I may have an idea or I've got a talent that I can do. Uh, should I just go out there and just start? you know, tutoring or, or mowing lawns and things like that? Or what is something maybe structurally I need to put aside? Do I need to save up a little money or do I need to uh, form an LLC or a corporation? Um, and I know that's going to vary depending on the business, but what are some things that people need to think about before they jump right into something like this? Yeah. First off, I wouldn't go to any expense on legal expenses or anything. Don't go to much trouble. You know, you may want to create some business cards. Uh, put up a website, but that's it. I mean, really, mm -hmm. you, you don't need to do much more than that. 
uh, and don't put up a, you know, just go to WordPress and throw up a website. It doesn't have to be too uh, attractive. Just something, if somebody wants to know to find you out there, uh, you know, get yourself in a place that you can be found. Uh, the biggest thing is the product or service that you're offering is you, basically, and you know, with a hustle. Hmm. It's something you know or something that you do. So as a result, there shouldn't be a lot of expense to get it up and running, which means you can get started today. Mm-hmm. You don't have to delay until some magic moment in the future. Now, let me tell you what I did with hustles. And um, and there's a few other things if you want me to dig into it. But one of the things I always use hustles for for was to for specific projects. Mm. For example. Let's say I wanted to take a special vacation at the end of the year with my family. I would do a little side hustle and I would set that as the goal. And so I was doing it for a purpose and I would take that money and go do that. Let's say I wanted to pay my car off, which hopefully you've not gone out and got a big loan on a car. You know, you've been through the Dave Ramsey and the Will and Cody show, so they should know (laughs) not to do that. Right. <laughs> but let's say you do go do something stupid and you get a you get a debt on a car. Do a side hustle. Pay that thing off as fast as you can. Hmm. Maybe you need to maybe you want to replenish your emergency fund faster than you than you can. go do a little side hustle. Fill that back up. Hmm. The side hustle is meant to do those short term drive the revenue, speed the process up, you know, accelerate the credit card debt snowball, things like that that you're taught to do. Just expedite that using your um, your hustle and make sure you do fun stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I would do anything fun that Miss Margie and I wanted to do uh, or we wanted to go take a quick trip or do something fun. I'd use my side hustle money to do mm-hmm. that. That's a good idea. So have a specific target in mind either yep. number or, you know, for a goal. That way you're not, right. you're not really just doing it for the extra money. You're doing it for a specific purpose. And I think that could, that's, that's exactly a good idea. Right. It could help you, you know, obviously stay focused on what you want. And then it's, you know, it seems achievable. You're working towards something. You're not just yeah. doing it for the sake of doing it. So I think that's so good. Just would, yeah. Yeah. Just so I would play a little mental game with myself. And this is, I'm just telling you what I would do. Yeah. And that was I would go do something for somebody else, a little hustle on the side to help them. And then I'd take that money and I would go do something fun or pay something off. So in reality, other people are now paying my car off. Right. Other people are now sending me to Disney World. Other people are buying me that shotgun that I want. Right. You see what I'm saying? Right. So right. that was the little mental game. I provided a product and service and they were doing it. So I didn't take my job, the thing that I'm doing, you know, to put the food on mm-hmm. the table and live my life. I let other people pay for these extra things. Yeah. And that's nice. And then it'll be eventually be nice when, you know, that kind of thing happens without you having to initiate or, or work for it. Well, um, that's, you know, what, that's, that's angle, what you're right? other. That's exactly right. That's what your other investments do now. You know, yeah. I'm I I let rental properties, for example. I have not paid for a meal uh, out of my personal checking account, or I haven't paid for a meal in probably twenty years. 
because mm-hmm. I let my rental properties and my business, they, they make, you know, so we'll discuss business at that meal. And now all of a sudden somebody else is making a rent, rent payment. Well, they just paid for my meal. Right. Mm-hmm. Just have that keep yeah. flowing on back through and help you, you know, live kind of your lifestyle uh, through yeah. that. So that's yeah. good. That's a good plan. So for somebody who's, um, you know, maybe into a side hustle and they really like it, um, and you think maybe it has, they have potential of like, well, I might want to do this full time. Like this might be, you know, a business idea that's like, man, I, I enjoy this way more than my full time job. I wish I could just do this full time. Um, you know, from someone who has started a business, you know, themselves, what would you kind of say, you know, to someone in that case of like maybe what they need to do to prepare or even vet their idea to see, okay, can they do this on a full-time mm-hmm. basis? What would kind of be your recommendation if you're sitting down with somebody who's thinking that? Yeah. Okay. Very good question. Uh, first thing I would do is, is I would wait until that hustle is paying you twice as much as you're making on your job. Hmm. Mm, so okay. if I'm if I'm making fifty thousand dollars, I want to get my hustle where it's paying me a hundred. Okay. Because mm. because it's expensive to run a business. You gotta it's gonna it's more than you think it's gonna be. So if you're gonna draw a fifty thousand dollar salary, you're gonna have to make a hundred thousand in your mm. business. I see. By the time you pay out these other things mm. to be able to capture the fifty thousand salary that you're walking away from. Right. You're not gonna be able to take all of that in just no. make it as your salary. I got you. Yeah. No, that's that's a big fallacy that people when they think of free enterprise and entrepreneurs, they think, oh, they're making all this money and and they don't take into consideration. Uncle Sam is really raking it as well as the cost of doing business. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you know, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's not all, uh, you know, strawberries and ice cream. Right. So mm-hmm. you got to you got to make double. Another consideration I would do is, is I'd ask the people around me, I'd ask, mm, you know, yeah. your friends, family, the people that are closest to you. Hey, do you see me be, you know, I'm, I'm liking this over here. Do you think I could, I, do you see me enjoying that? Mm. Because if you talk to your wife and she says, man, do you know, you do know you complain about that thing all the time, right? Right. <laughs> and you were not even thinking it were, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So uh, I would do that. Uh, and then I would look out other what what uh, other people that do that same type hustle. Mm. What kind of life do they have? Mm. Do they mm. have do they have the lifestyle that you want? Uh, because sometimes you can sign up for something and it really looks good, but then you realize that the business owns them rather mm. than them owning the business. Right. Mm. Yeah, that more goes back to what we said, you know, they they have other things driving their time and their money, you know, versus them having the control and them having the freedom, you know, to kind of make those decisions. Yeah. 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 Well, another thing I'll throw at you is uh, I've known a lot of young men who went into a business or a side hustle and it was physical in nature. I know a guy who moved, he moved pianos for people. And set up pool tables for people. Well, you can do that when you're 18, 20, 30 years old. Mm. But, you know, I know people who get into the sheetrock business. Man, you haul two 12 pieces, 12 foot pieces of sheetrock up three flights of stairs. 
mm-hmm. or you carry two buckets of mud that weigh 60 pounds each. You can do that when you're 22 years old, but I'm going to tell you, you hit 50 years old and that check engine light's going to come on. <laughs> right. You know <laughs> yeah, what I all mean? All the lights are coming on. Yeah. <laughs> all the lights are coming on that dashboard. Yeah. So, so the, so you got to think about that. Yeah. It looks good yeah. as a hustle right now, but is this sustainable? And if you, if it's not something you can do into your 50s, 60s or whatever else, you got to think about some kind of a transition plan to get mm-hmm. a younger generation. So you get 25 year old guys working for you mm-hmm. to pick that up. That's the only way that that works. Yeah. I think, you know, to make that transition, you know, it has to either be something, you know, just thinking about it, I think, you know, it has to be something either um, can be sold without you there. So it's either, a, it's more like a product than a service, or it's a service that you can, later on hire someone else to provide as you mentioned so if it's more manual is it something somebody else can do because i think what sometimes we get into is it's knowledge right and that's tough because then it's like are you have to be there if all the time but i think it's either if you develop a product that has your knowledge in it like a course or a book or something like that that can be sold without you there or if it's something more manual okay, you could train somebody else and do it. And then you get to do the organizational part, you know? So I think yeah. that's the, that, that would be a good criteria of, you know, if you want to do something full time and want to keep doing it, I think you have to look at one of those transitions later on of how yeah. do you make it? So you're not as, as you know, little involved as possible. So it's still making money, but you don't have to be there every day, you know, all day, every day, um, that's right. you know, working on mm-hmm. it. Um, would you say there's any, um, uh, you know, you mentioned the, you know, the income as far as if your side hustles making about double, would, would you say just from your own personal experience that there's any sort of like, um, maybe savings goal that somebody should look at before starting, they wanted to start a business, um, as well. So say if somebody maybe either couldn't do it as a side hustle first, or maybe they do have it as a side hustle, <clears throat> should they try to like save a bunch of money while they do have a full-time job? Um, or is it kind of a wait until you get the enough income coming from the side hustle uh, that you can move over? Or is there kind of well, sometimes you where you to, have to do a, a clean jump, if you will, from yeah, one? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well, let me just tell you the story about Odysseyware. Um, uh, I, I launched uh, Odysseyware and I'd saved up $30,000, which is a ton of money on a teacher's salary yeah. and hustles, side right. hustles, cutting grass, washing cars, hanging sheetrock, finishing sheetrock, uh, Amway. You know, I was in Amway 32 times, I think. I'm right. just kidding. <laughs> I, think everybody, I think everybody in the world has been in Amway before at least once. You know what I mean? Somehow we're all connected. Yeah. We're all connected to Amway. That's good. Um, if somebody ought to do, you know, had the six degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon. Somebody ought to do yeah. six degrees What's your of Amway number or something. Yeah. What's your Amway number? You know, yeah, <laughs> that's great. Um, but I learned, by the way, I learned a lot in Amway about life and people. I, in mm. fact, uh, several huge lessons I learned in Amway. I uh, prepared me, but anyway, I'd saved up thirty thousand bucks, which is a lot of money. I mm. uh, and then I went out and launched Odysseyware, and there's a whole system that I went through on how to do that, uh, using letters of intent and getting people to buy in when I didn't have a you know product wasn't mm. completed. I was selling mm-hmm. vaporware before there was Odysseyware, <laughs> right? 
I you got to be you got to you got to have the mentality to scrap mm-hmm. and get after it. But and and but I would say save up save up a good. You know, you've got your, you know, you, you guys teach that you ought to have an a emergency fund of six months um, uh, income in the thing in your to give you a, a fallback. It wouldn't hurt you to have three to four months savings in another bucket mm. just from your hustle. And it is your it is your um, it's not an emergency fund. It's your operating fund. Mm. So you're, you know, to say, and so you start, let's say your hustle's going, you're doubling what you're normal, what you're making, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and you've saved up a good 90 days of operating budget. So you can go out and turn the lights on and buy some inventory or do whatever mm-hmm. else. Now you're in a great position. You've positioned yourself to succeed. Now, let me, let me make a, I'm going to take a, a little detour if I can. Okay. I like winning. I really do. I'm a competitive person. I mean, if we're going to play something, I'm playing to win. But you know what? I like more than winning. I hate losing. (laughs) I hate it. Man, if I lose, I'm a sore loser, man. 1996, when the Atlanta Braves lost to the New York Yankees and Mark Wallers throws a 3-2 slider when he'd been humming fastballs by Jimmy Layritz and he throws a 3-2 slider, Jimmy Layritz hits a three-run homer and all of a sudden we lose the series. I still can't find that remote control. I hate losing, man. <laughs> right. I don't. I, so here's what I would say: I, I, I'm going to position everything I can so that I have every chance in the world to be successful. I plan from day one: what can I do with my savings, my operational budget, my sales? Where are they coming from? My salary? I'm doubling it. I'm positioning everything I can so that when I hit that mm-hmm. ground. I'm going to do everything in my power to win that race. I'm going to beat that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And that that's one thing that um, Cody and I see sometimes is that people will, you know, somebody will have a success story and I'm not, you know, don't want to discount what people have done. But a lot of times it seems like, OK, it worked for you, but will it work for anybody else? And that's so good. what we really like and we agree with you. It's like, we don't want to lose, you know, so we don't want to put a plan mm-hmm. in place and then have it fail. So we want to yeah. go with the thing that'll get us to the goal. So it'll make us win. We're not just getting by, but we're going to win and it'll be successful. Um, you know, and it's proven over time. So I think that's fine. I mean, I think sometimes um, I see a lot of things of people wanting to start a business and they'll say, we'll just start out and taking out all these loans. And I think, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's starting out there, you know, a lot of things could go wrong. And if you don't have enough to secure yourself, you could get into some big, you know, big trouble, taking out big loans on ideas that you have um, when you don't have anything to fall back on. As you mentioned, you don't have that, you know, at least a plan in place of, okay, you know, you feel like you're going to win regardless. So, you know, someplace. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like what you were saying with, um, what he said, like I've seen so many times and, you know, I'm, I'm always on Instagram trying to build a brand, build a, a, some followers. And I do see a lot of these, these people that are successful and they say, well, I just took a second mortgage and I threw it all. I quit my job and I did drop shipping or I did, you know, some, some crazy risky, you know, and it, it worked out for them, you know, and that's, that's cool. I don't want to discredit that, but like that doesn't work for everybody. You know, right. that nobody sees the stories that they didn't work. And, and, 
they lost everything and, and now they're in, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. So I'd like to ask um, for those people that may have a great idea, but they don't have a side hustle yet. They have that business idea that they think is going to do great. Should they turn it into a side hustle before it becomes a business? Or what if it's like Odyssey where, where it might not be able to become a side hustle? Should they do, like you were saying, saving up enough to, to and then quit their job? Because it, it may be the case that it needs all their time to start that business and they can't just do small amounts mm -hmm. of time. Should you build that kind of safe hold, like another emergency fund, and then maybe quit the job? Or do you think that that's not really a good idea at all? Uh, well, again, hedge your bet. Uh, try to do everything you can for it to be successful. But uh, what I like, the model I like is uh, is a, a test idea where we're going to throw an idea out there. We're going to test it before I go spend any money. So, for example, I'm looking at standing up a company right now. Uh, we launched a company uh, three years ago, uh, Journeyage with Jonathan Cottrell is doing great. Last year, we launched Youngblood Works is doing great. This year, we're looking at standing up two companies. And so, uh, in fact, we always in a meeting today about uh, launching a company, a vertical. And it was like, all right, how are we going to do this? And, uh, and somebody on the team said, we're going to do what Youngblood says we need to do, and we're going to go out and get letters of intent from people that hypothetically, if I delivered this, would you buy it? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, and I'm like, and I'm sitting there clapping, and yeah. I'm like, yay, it's good, you know, this is beautiful. So uh, I would say go out and test the idea uh, before you spend money, go out and get some commitments from people. If you can't, if you can't get somebody to commit that they would buy it, if you produced it, don't do it. Mm. You know, mm. don't take the de-risk it. Now, here's the other thing. The single greatest way to de-risk something is for you to be the salesperson. Mm. Sales is everything. Sales is the revenue. It's the oxygen in the room. I was uh, I was asked to come into a session here at the Maricopa Community Colleges uh, about a year ago or two, maybe two years ago. It was two years ago. And the dean of the business school said, uh, had a room full of people, 34, 35 people. And they said, OK, let's go around the room. What do you think? We Maricopa Community College is one of the largest community college systems in the United States of America. What do you think we need to be teaching people that enroll at our school in the business school? So they went to the finance people and the finance people said, you got to teach them macroeconomics. You got to teach them microeconomics. You got to teach them how forces work together and money supply and all this stuff. All right, good. They go to the accountant. What do you think we need to be teaching? Accountant said, oh, you got to teach them debits and credits. They got to know that they went to the marketing people. What do you think? Well, we got to teach them search engine optimization. We got to teach them how to build websites, yada, yada, yada. And they came around and I'd been sitting there real quietly, which is unusual for me. <laughs> And the dean of the business school looked and said, Mr. Youngblood, you haven't said anything, but you, you've you actually had a business that you launched and it's a, had a significant exit. What do you think we need to be teaching these students? And I said, give me somebody who has a perfect website, search engine optimization, all the key search words. They know the difference between a debit and a credit. They've got all, they can teach finance and economics. They know product development. They got all this stuff figured out, but they don't have any revenue. All they have is a class project. 
<laughs> but you give me a young lady, on the other hand, who doesn't know the front end or the back end of a website, has no clue what debits and credits are, but she has revenue, she actually has a business. So I would say learn how to sell. And you learn to sell with your ears. You don't sell with what you say. It's what are you listening? What are you hearing? Sales is a conversation with people about solving a problem. So you have in conversations with people about problems that they've got, and you figure out how to solve that problem. I would say that you want to stack the deck in your favor on a hustle or on a business is learn how to sell and be good at it. Now, when I first got started, I wasn't any good at it, boys. <laughs> yeah. I went in, I first started, my first job sales was copiers. I was selling copiers. And I was so good at selling copiers that I sold my house. I sold my cars. <laughs> I sold a trumpet. I sold clothes. I sold everything but copiers. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know what? I figured out how to sell and I got good at it. And that was how I was able to launch Odysseyware and and build a really neat sales system there with some of the greatest human beings I ever did business with. And that's what we're doing with Youngblood Works right now. We're selling. We're taking students from G, from Grand Canyon University and putting them in a bullpen with uh, uh, professional salespeople. And they are learning sales. We're calling it the finishing school. They learn the theory of business and then they come over in the bullpen and they're actually learning how to sell. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm creating a pipeline right there of future CEOs who have cut their teeth in sales. It's a beautiful thing. So I would say stack things in, in your advantage by learning how to sell. Mm. Yeah. What are yeah. some strategies for somebody to learn? sales is it a a trial and error do they just need to get out there and just do it and learn like you did or do you maybe have some resources or guidelines for someone that starting off to to maybe grasp sales and and be able to learn that's yeah great question uh first is be a good reader uh i read uh, zig ziglar dennis uh, um uh uh, oh my goodness, I'm having a brain. John Maxwell. Mm -hmm. uh, these are people that influence me intensely about how to think. Uh, and sales is, is, again, it's a conversation. Uh, uh, but go out and get a sales job. You know what? Sales as a second job is in, is a beautiful thing. If you've got a job doing A, you know, whatever mm -hmm. you're doing, finance, economics, inventory, whatever else, get you a side hustle or a second job selling and learn on somebody else's dime, if you will. That's a great, mm. you know, that's a great mm -hmm. thing. Let somebody else. Uh, so you learn that way and trial and error and just determine you're never going to quit till you figure it out. Just today, mm. you're never going to quit. And then the more confident you get, the more successful you get. Uh, hang around really successful salespeople. They're going to say stuff and you're going to pick up. Again, you sell with your ears. Mm-hmm. Uh, God gave us two ears and one mouth because he wanted us to use our ears twice as much as he wanted us to talk. And sales is all about listening. If you hear somebody and they say, oh, he's a good salesman because he can talk his, he can sell ice cream to an Eskimo. He might be the worst salesperson you ever met in your life because right. he'll talk himself <laughs> out of deals. Yeah. You want to find somebody that can ask really good questions. Mm. And all of a sudden you're buying instead of them selling. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And I think okay. another element with that, you know, going back to what Cody said, if someone has an idea, I think if you go into that selling with your, you know, ears open, I think one of the possibilities also, as you mentioned, like letters of intent is you realize people aren't willing to commit to buy it. And so I think that could also help you determine, OK, maybe I need to tweak this product or service I want to offer because I'm getting a lot of no's. Or if you go out and it's a lot of like, yeah, we would love that. Then, you know, you've got a tangible idea that could be worth something. So I think that could also be difficult as we love our own ideas. And so going out and if you get the, you know, if you're truly listening and you get the feedback, you know, nobody really is interested in this. I'm like the only person. Then that could also be, you know, a message you need to receive of, OK, there's some other work you need to do to either develop a, a different idea or tweak your idea, you know, a little bit. Uh, so I think it's good. I think sales is, you know, you know, people say it's like the, you know, you kind of control a business if you control you know, sales or revenue coming in the door. Um, and it's right. kind of the thing, it's kind of the lifeblood of any, you know, company. I, I think we've seen it a lot where companies will have great ideas, but if no one buys it, then, you know, what really do you have? It's just, you know, an idea, um, yeah. you know, and so I think we've seen that more um, rather than, you know, going the the loan route. We have seen, you know, more people start to take that route of, you know, going to their customers first. Um, and so I don't know, um, that is if you're familiar with, um, but like Kickstarter is a big thing. And I don't think that's as hands-on as actually, you know, um, going to your customer, but that's another thing that's, that's funded by customers. That's basically the idea. Yeah. So I think it's a mm -hmm. really unique business model. And I think one that could be successful for a lot of different people, because, you know, it would be the people that, would want to use it that, you know, could help you get up and running. Um, yeah. and you don't have to give up as much and you get that immediate feedback that you mentioned. So I think that's all, you know, really good stuff. Um, you know, as even as far as reading to get into, um, you know, sales, is there anything else, you know, someone has an idea. So, you know, we mentioned, um, you know, kind of testing that idea through sales, actually going to potential customers and seeing what they think. Is there anything else they should look at um, as far as setting anything up um, or jumping into a, you know, a startup or something like that? Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, we probably don't have the role, the time uh, tonight to because this has been a great conversation about hustles. Yeah. But at some point, you, you know, if you want to have me back on, we can talk about how you start a business and talk about uh, mm -hmm. a lean launch mentality business model canvas. I mean, the first time I was at the ASU Center for Entrepreneurship and I was in, in a class, they were teaching the business model canvas. And I literally sat there and said, where was this when I <laughs> right. started my company? Yeah. You know, but it's brilliant. And it what is. it does is it's a very methodical way to go about figuring out, do you have something or not? Mm -hmm. Now they're missing a key thing though. It's huge. And that is they don't have the letter of intent. The ideal thing, let me tell you about the letter of intent, mm -hmm. and we can talk about that when you, you know, some other time if you want to, yeah. but the letter of intent is signed by the customer. If you go get people's commitments, you know, your grandma, your grandma will tell you, yeah, I'll buy something from you, Cody. <laughs> William, I'll buy something from you. Well, will you sign a letter of intent that says you'll buy $10,000 of this? No, I'm not signing that. Now we know. You know what I'm <laughs> right. saying? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
somebody says, yeah, I'll loan you. I'll loan you money. All right, would you sign this letter of intent? No, I ain't doing that. Oh, okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Now, we, you know, now we know the, the level of the commitment. Uh, but if you guys want to dig, uh, you know, I'm on a lot of Shark Tank type things at, a, at Arizona State and then now at Grand Canyon University. Uh, if you guys want to dig into that whole process of launching a business, but it follows a very similar path mm-hmm. as the hustle. You know, find something you enjoy doing. Go test it without spending a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Test it as cheaply and fail as fast as you can. I mm. uh, get out there and fail, 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 but figure it out <laughs> before you go spend a bunch of money. I had a buddy who was given $80 million to launch a business. And in four years, guess how much he, they went through? All of it? $80 million. Guys, you and I could sit here, all three of us could sit here and light $100 bills for the next four years and not burn through $80 million. <laughs> right. Yeah. How do you do that? Well, you, the way you do that is because you're stupid. You don't go out and test the idea and put people on their decision mode to say, if I build this, is this something you'd buy from me? And make them sign off on something proving, yep, I'd buy it from you or give them a, mm. maybe get a collective check or something. Right. Mm. I think that's especially good for individuals. I think it's a good piece of advice of, you know, what Cody and I talk about a lot is stability and having a plan. And I think, you know, a part of that, you know, you want to if you're going to go into any new venture. And Cody, you can let me know if you agree with this. Um, But I would say if you're going to launch into a new venture, you should have the same principles of you need a plan and you need to make sure it works. Um, And it's not going to, you know, make everything fall apart. It's not going to ruin you if it fails. Um, Mm -hmm. And so you can get out there, get, as you mentioned, those quick failures of, okay, well, that didn't work. Let's try this. That didn't work. Let's try this. Rather before, you know, you throw a bunch of money into it that you've worked so hard to raise. Like we talk about how hard it is to create margin and you, you know, kind of scrap for that. You don't want to, you know, do that for a few years to save up money and then lose it all because you didn't test out an idea. And so I think that's a key phase of like, you know, yes, you got a great idea, um, but let's take the time to test it before we throw all the money into it. Cody, would you agree? You know, Uh, 100%. I mean, it's, I mean, the, the financial advice we give is, is a tested plan. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a proven plan. And that's why we, we keep telling everybody about it and sharing information about it. So it's the same thing about a business or an idea. You know, you need to test it. You need to see if it's actually something viable before you put your money into it. And I I 100 percent agree. Yeah. So I think that's good stuff. Most most millionaires you're ever going to meet are not people that created the something that nobody had ever thought about and risked everything they had on producing the one thing that nobody ever thought about. The millionaires you're going to meet are the people that took a salt shaker and said, I'm going to make that better and cheaper. Hmm. They, it wasn't it wasn't risky. It, it was a something that people use all the time. It was a you know, what I'm saying it was right. something mm-hmm. that people do a hustle and they just do it better and cheaper and faster than the next guy. Truett Cathy. Chicken sandwich. Who the heck makes a chicken sandwich? Well, the dude is a billion, made a billionaire out of the yeah. deal. In fact, they do $8 billion every year in chicken sandwiches. Yeah. So I would say don't do the big risky thing. Do the thing exceptionally well. Hmm. 
hedge your bet, do the thing exceptionally well, get after it. Yeah. And it's kind of already proven if there's something out there, I think there is, you know, some risk of things being oversaturated. I think we're worried about that. Like, oh, there's too many other people doing it. But I think in most cases, there's still plenty of plenty of room for somebody to jump into a proven industry. Um, You know, there's plenty to go around. So it's like, you know, if other people are doing it and having success, sometimes it's like, okay, that's that's it helping it prove it that, you know, it's a viable idea. You know, more than Absolutely. anything, you know, someone else. I, when I it, was a so. kid, when I was a kid, I used to have fried bologna sandwiches. My mother made me. Now, does that mean I'm going to go out and start a, a franchise selling fried bologna sandwiches? What's the market for that? Right. Yeah. No, yeah. people like chicken and they like burgers. So if I'm going to go in the restaurant business, which I'm not, but that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. Right. Going to the dependable things, you know, people are going to be interested in. Yeah, I yeah, think that's right. really good. Yeah. That's good. So I think we're getting um, close to uh, to time, but I think that was a good yeah. discussion. I think we I think every time we we talk, there's always more we could go over and more we can discuss. Uh, so we'll definitely have to keep that in the back of mind um, and think about things maybe we want to discuss further. Yeah. As you mentioned, I think business model canvas and lean launch and things like that would be great ideas, um, you know, to talk about, you know, in another episode. Um, if somebody's looking at starting a business, those are great tools that they can utilize mm-hmm. to kind of, I think it's a, you know, we kind of talked about the beginning stage. I think that's kind of that next stage that would be really good um, if we could start yeah. talking about that. Um, and so I appreciate you uh, coming on with us again, Cody. I don't know if you had any other yeah. thoughts um, no, related I mean, to it, but I think it was great. I think we covered on. a lot. Uh, and so I think that was great. Yeah, Excellent. yeah we're just going to have to have you back two. on, so. That'd be great. Two quick things I'll just add as I'm closing. Uh, There's a scripture verse that says, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. Mm. So if you're going to do a side hustle, do it well. The other thing I will tell you is include other people. Every moment's a teachable moment. You know, we talk Mm. about trying to prioritize how much time do you spend on a hustle? If you're going to do a hustle, get your wife involved. Mm. Get your children involved. Get your mom and dad involved. Get other people involved. Uh, you know, it gives them a sense of ownership, and yeah. it also gives you a chance to do work together. It's a beautiful thing. Anyway, yeah. I just thought I'd throw that out. No, those, those are Absolutely. all great. Yeah, include it, because I think we struggle with, you know, family time versus work time. So that could be a great opportunity for somebody to kind of merge the two and say, okay, let's work together, you know, on that. And then you can grow and um, kind of develop your relationship as well. So I think, no, that's great. That, that's the wisdom yeah, that we yeah. talked about. So. Yeah, thanks for having me on and call your mothers. They do love you. Well, we will call. We'll touch base. Family's important. (laughs) Yeah, so we'll definitely touch base uh, with them. But I think it's good prioritizing family. Uh, So thank you for for joining us uh, again. And we'll definitely have to have you on to continue the discussion. Um, As always, if you're listening, uh, feel free to like and comment if you have any feedback. Um, and then also subscribe and, uh, you know, follow us wherever uh, you're listening or if you're watching on uh, on YouTube and uh, check out our other social media or check us out mm-hmm. at uh, willandcody.com uh, um, and we'll see you guys next time. See you guys.